Good morning, everyone. Uh, our scripture from today is going to come from Psalms um, chapter 77. Would you please stand up as we read the word of God? I'll try to be slow, um, so fast when I read. Um, <laughs> the concerning memory of God's redemptive work, works. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he, give, he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I saw the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God, and I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of the old, the years of ancient times. I caught remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish. But I'll remember the years of right hand of the Most High. I'll remember the works of the Lord. Surely I'll remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in century. Who is so greater as God, as our God? You are God who does wonders. You have decreed your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O oh God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The death also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the greater waters, and your footsteps were not known. You laid your people like flocks by the hand of Moses and Aaron. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Well, uh, welcome again and good morning. And uh, to those of you home or at the cabin and you're watching online, 
awesome. I hope you're beside a body of water somewhere enjoying this weather this summer. Before we uh, proceed, we're going to pray. And uh, again, uh, happy birthday to Caden. Love this guy. And uh, he's awfully actually going off to school in a couple weeks, and so we want to bless him as he uh, takes off on a little adventure. Um, also want to offer our sympathies to, again, two of our families uh, who lost mothers this week. Sabrina Headwood lost her mom, who lives in the Okanagan, and Sharani Kanaganigam, her mom passed away. Actually, just a day or so between these two uh, who lost their moms. She was, uh, Sharani has been uh, in Toronto for the last four weeks with her family as they uh, have been kind of waiting for this. And so um, we just have been struck over the recent weeks, since I've been back from holidays anyway, just a number of families who are bereaved right now. And, um, and so while the sun is shining on some of us, some of us are feeling quite a bit of cloud and darkness and heaviness today. So can we lift up our brothers and sisters, and then we'll invite God to minister to us in this time. So Lord, um, gracious God, uh, we want to lift up our friends who are hurting and suffering great grief right now. We continue to lift up Joe and Dave and his family. Uh, we think of Sharani and Andrew and Sabrina and John, uh, who just this week have just suffered such a loss. Uh, would you bring your comfort? Lord, we don't understand your words, quite frankly, that says, blessed are you that mourn. And yet, you tell us that you're with us when we mourn, and you promise us that we will be comforted. So I pray, would your comforter, the, the Spirit, uh, gather around our friends who are hurting. And uh, Lord, uh, as we gather around your word today, um, may you strengthen our faith and encourage us and uh, continue to inform and reform and transform our lives and our hearts that we might become more of who you have called us to be. We want that, God. So speak to us this morning. We pray. We ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we have all seen some concert or program uh, put on by kids, you know, either at school or at church. Uh, most people have been to some kind of children's assembly. I feel like I've been to my lifetime quota of children's assemblies, I think. The kids, uh, the smaller the better, you know, the teacher gives them instructions and, and lines them up, and they've been practicing for weeks you know, rehearsing their lines, um, singing their, their songs, and then the big day's finally there. And, and their costumes are, are together. Crowds are in their seats, even though often it's those uncomfortable folding chairs that all schools seem to buy in their gymnasiums, right? I hate those chairs. They're not meant for big butts like me. Did I say butt in church? I'm really sorry. Um, but the program starts, and almost without fail, the kids break from the plan, what do they do? They wave. <laughs> You've seen it. The kids, they, they scan the crowds until they see some semblance of their, their family in the crowd, right? And, and, and they don't stop waving until mom or dad wave back. They stick their hands up high, moving them back and forth. Hey, me, hey, hey it's me, it's me, dad, it's me. And uh, it's not choreographed, it's, it's not part of the program, but nobody minds, right? In fact, uh, we can't help but smile, it's actually kind of cute. We like it as long as there's some parental figure there to answer back. But imagine, you're at the concert, and you begin to see this familiar scene unfold, and it happens like usual, 
but this time there's one kid who won't stop waving. He's found his dad, and he's waved, he's shouted, he's, he's jumped up and down, <laughs> but dad doesn't respond. And the concert begins, it goes on, but the dad sits there silent. There's, there's actually nothing cute or, or feel good about that though I suspect it's not an uncommon experience, at least not for the writer of Psalm 77. The psalm begins, I I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. This this person is calling out to God to hear me, and he won't stop. He's stretching out his hands, Hands in the dark, waving it back and forth. One translator suggests it could be rendered, my hand was outstretched in the night and was not still. Not so different from the kid at the concert. Arm is up, hand moving, but seemingly getting no answer. Now just an aside, if you're new to the Psalms, the Psalms are are prayers. They're, They're recorded prayers. This one actually reads like somebody's private prayer journal. It was a prayer journal that would have been turned into a worship song. They would have sung this in their their praise gatherings like we sing songs. And the Psalms, these prayers, offer us a surprising gift. Some of you have unpacked this gift, and you know it very, very well. It gives us a window into somebody else's experience, their, their life, their trouble, what they're going through. And it gives us a window into how to pray. Through them, we can learn to pray. People might think of, of me, Derwin, you're a pastor, Surely you eat, breathe, think, sleep, prayer. Not so much. Actually, I suspect I struggle with prayer like most of you struggle with prayer, right? I, uh, I'm, my wife reminds me of this often. I'm an easily distracted person. <laughs> I struggle staying in the moment. As soon as I sit down, it's like I can think of a thousand things, you know, like squirrel, right? That, that's a little bit my life. And so what has become an important practice for me is every day to spend time in a psalm. Every day, read a psalm, pray a psalm, learn to, to f- make their words my words. It's why I, I'm encouraging you and I'm, I'm seeking myself to memorize some psalms so that can, they can be kind of tools with which I can pray. Uh, one of the things we learn about prayer in this psalm and many psalms is that prayer often begins in pain. You see, prayer is not reciting a formula, you know, like my mom taught me at bedtime growing up. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Anyone know that one? Do you remember how it ends? You know? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If I had some bad dreams as a kid, I wonder why. Well, that's soul-taking happening in the night. Really terrible. But we learn these prayers. I mean, we learn the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer is not just that. And, and, and prayer is not just those moments in our lives where we sit there quietly contemplating how everything is right in the universe as we ignore our hunger pangs or perhaps even worse, our heart pangs. We often begin to pray, and I would suggest that we often learn to pray in and through pain. 
That's where the psalmist is. He, listen to the verbs. I, I cried out. I sought and stretched out. I groaned and was troubled. I wonder, have you ever groaned over something? I suspect you probably have. I was dazed and I could not speak. All night long I was in deep distress. For this person, prayer truly begins in trouble. Now what kind of trouble? Well, this particular psalm doesn't actually tell us what. Ancient day troubles were probably actually not that different than modern day troubles. I mean, they were people too, and so it could have been quite personal. You know, a family member is sick, a, a persistent conflict with your spouse, a, a troubling loss, a trouble at your job, indecision about school, an exam. Could be economic. Too much money? That can be a problem. Not for many, but it can be a problem. Too little money. Employment or unemployment are, uh, could have been bigger. It could have been national. It could have been international, sort of big world problems that have come close to home. The fact that the psalmist doesn't tell us what his trouble was means we can adapt this prayer quite easily and make it our own because we all have troubles. Anyone have a trouble right now? You can think of a trouble? I suspect if, you, if I gave you a minute or a moment, you'd be able to think of something in your life that's not quite going right. And when we're in trouble, we often feel like we don't know how to pray. And so we pray the psalm. And crying out to God in our, our pain is a good way to learn how to pray. I think of my gap year in the UK. By the way, shout out to, to uh, 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 no, Karis, thank you. I, I, was getting, I was getting there. Karis just got back from a gap year five months in Wales. Can we welcome her back today? Just give her a huge hand. I was away from home for seven months. It was the first time I'd ever gotten on a plane was to go over to England and in some senses, you could say with uh, Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> it was Dickens who said that, wasn't it? Good, just checking. You, <laughs> literature, because I, I don't want to hear about it after, so I just wanted to make sure I was right. <laughs> Fact checkers out there. Um, I, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times for me. In some senses, I, it was the greatest adventure I'd ever been on as a, as a young adult. And uh, yet, uh, I went through a season while I was there, there were some of the darkest days I've ever experienced. Um, the closest I can say I ever experienced depression while I was there. It was kind of like a, I was lonely. I think I'd moved from being a, a, a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond. Didn't quite know where I fit. And I was profoundly lonely and sad. And uh, we had evening lectures. They ended about 7.30 at night, and it was dark. It was winter. And every night, for, for many, many months, my habit was to go on an, a walk by myself on this sprawling farmyard countryside that we were in, and I would pray. And my prayers would turn out in, into tears and often into shouting, where are you, God? I remember one time falling down on the pavement, literally asking God to intervene in my life. I was so desperate to sense his presence. It was a hard, hard time, and it was the best of times, because I actually learned to engage with God in a real way, and God became actually real to me through those days, because honestly, folks, a starting place to pray is never our togetherness. A starting place to pray is always our brokenness, with our lack, with where we feel hurt and shame or questions. 
Now, in the psalm, if the first part is crying out to God in pain, the second part you might call the questions. There are at least six of them that the psalmist asks. Listen to these. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? These are all questions that challenge God's character. Can God be trusted? Is he truly a promise keeper? Is he good to his word? Will he be good to me? Has he forgotten me? Likely the, the, the background to these important questions are, are pointing back to a little scripture in Exodus 34, verse 5 to 6. Some of you know this really well because we spent a whole fall studying this little passage of scripture where God revealed himself to God's people through this revelation of himself to Moses. Do you remember this? We memorized it, I think, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to embarrass myself. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, sin, and rebellion. It's this confession of faith that that is at the very heart of the faith of the people of Israel. But here in Psalm 77, each of these kind of great qualities of God are actually kind of called into question by this person's experience. So it makes me ask, why are these hard questions in the Bible? First of all, they're there because we don't serve a God who is removed or remote. We don't serve a God who is untouched or untouchable. I mean, think about Jesus on the cross. He asked the most doubt-filled question. God, where have you gone? Where have you you gone? Why have you forsaken me? Somehow we're permitted to, to call God's character into question, and I suspect that he actually prefers that kind of honesty to our pretending. I think the second reason these questions are in scriptures is there's no pathway to Easter Sunday that doesn't go through Good Friday. I remember a story I heard years ago by a, a minister, Dr. Gardam Taylor. He was an African-American pastor in New York City. He told the story of when he was preaching in Louisiana in the South in the Great Depression, and electricity was kind of just coming into that part of the country, and he was out in this rural black church at night, and uh, they had just one light bulb to light up the whole church building. And uh, he was preaching away, and in the middle of his sermon, the light goes out. And, and the place was pitch dark, and being a young pastor, he didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. Nobody had an iPhone with a flashlight they could give him or anything like that. He's just a little bit lost in that moment. Until one of the elderly deacons who was sitting at the back of the church shouted out these words, Preach on, preacher. We can still see Jesus in the dark. We can still see Jesus in the dark. You know, folks, sometimes that's the only time we can see Jesus, is in the dark. The the good news is Jesus brings, the, the gospel is this, that whether we can see him in the dark or not, he can see us in the dark. Amen? To ask these things then is to wonder whether God has stopped loving us, to worry that he somehow has changed, that he's turned his back on us, that, that he's not who he used to be towards us. We actually go there sometimes, right? 
We think like this sometimes when we're in the dark, waving our hands back and forth, wondering what's wrong with God. Why is he silent? You know, we tend to think it's the kid who's waving at the concert who's the patient one. He's patient to keep waving. But what if in reality it's the dad who's so patient in in letting him? You see, God doesn't have to take us where he does. He doesn't have to let you sit there and and, and let you keep waving. He, He sees you. He hears you. He could say with one word, and you'd know it was him. But he doesn't sometimes. And it must be that there's something important and maybe even glorious that happens in that mo- those moments where we are waiting and waving and crying out to him in desperation. Now where God leads, the writer of this psalm is where I think he'd want to lead us and he'd want to lead us there this morning. This sermon series we've uh, been in is called Think About It. And the psalmist is inviting us to think about, to consider, to remember the wonders of God, the wonders he's already done. The promises he's already kept. That's where the the psalmist goes. Verse 11 to 14, this is really kind of the turning point of the psalm. I will remember, he says, the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great, like our God, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. This guy, this, this woman, this man says, I will remember, I will think about God's wonders. Now, wonders is an important Old Testament word. It tends to point back specifically to a particular event, to God's work in the Exodus when he rescued his people from slavery in Egypt through a series of, of truly awesome wonders and deeds. In response to all God did through that season in their journey, this is what they concluded about God in Exodus 15. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? If you remember the Exodus story, it's, it was the kind of deliverance God brought that you could never script. Right? He heard their cries. He saw their desperation. He saw their oppression their slavery, and he did a, a work that was so good, so freeing, so liberating, you'd never expect it. It's the kind of rescue you'd never forget, the kind that, that changes everything. And it's what the psalmist needs to remember about God. He needs to remember God is faithful to all his promises that he did before. He did it before, he'll do it again. He'll do everything that he has said he will do, even if it turns the world's wisdom upside down. This is where he goes when he's waving in the silence of the night, and this is kind of where I'd suggest we can join him. It's important, I think, a core part of our faith to remember our faith stories, to remember the fact that God works wonders. And actually, there's a cross to prove it. What God did in and through Jesus, friends, is our exodus. It's, it's our rescue story. It's our going through the Red Sea. It's, it's truly the greatest and, and most surprising gift of all. It's the kind of thing that Stephen alluded to in our communion time this morning. Shame gone. Forgiveness offered. New freedom. A, a, a brand new start. Hope for the future. It actually means possibility. Isn't that great? Don't you love that word, possibility? 
That's a God word if there ever was one. He likes impossibility too, by the way. He likes to do the, make the impossible possible. And, and he can change a stubborn, hard heart, uh, a confused heart like he did mine, a doubt-filled heart like he did mine. Loves us. It means the kingdom of God has come near. It means a relationship with God is possible. It means the gift of a meaningful life. That's why regularly as a congregation, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus himself said what? At, when he instituted this meal, do this in remembrance of me. Remember this. This is one of the wonders you need to remember. This is the greatest wonder of them all. You know, it's when we uh, remember that we actually come back to ourselves. I, I was thinking this week about a film that I watched with my wife years ago called The Notebook. You know, it's a love story about Noah and uh, his wife, Allie. Most of the movie is about how they met and how they kind of fell in love. It's their romance story. But every now and then, the movie fasts forward. And this is in my, my favorite part of the movie. Fast forward to the end, other end of their lives, showing them in their old age. Allie has now developed Alzheimer's. And she's in a nursing home. And Noah doesn't have to be there, but he's there every single day. And some years before, Allie had written down the story of their love in this notebook, hence the title of the film. And every day, Noah comes, and Noah takes out the notebook and reads Allie the story of their love. And as he reads the story, her eyes will open every now and then, and she comes back to him for a few minutes. You know, that's what the Bible is. <laughs> It's, it's our record of God's covenant love story for his people through the ages. And when we're in trouble and it seems like God has rejected us forever and his mercy is gone, we take out the notebook and we read, in the beginning, God created. We read, he delivered my people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. We read, and God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Sometimes it becomes very personal. This week I was reading Psalm 103, and in the middle of that psalm, it's just the, the word struck me, and I think I've read these words many, many times, but they just were like fresh for me this week. That's like what I needed to hear, where it says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And it goes on to say, as far as the east is, east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions, his transgressions, our transgressions from us. His compassion, he says, as a dad has, a, has compassion for his child, so great is God's compassion towards us. It was like a love letter to me, to be honest. I actually thought, if this is all I knew of God, those, those three verses, I think it'd almost be enough, actually. The gospel's right there. His love, his forgiveness, you know, his, his compassion. Like, like right there, that's all I, pretty much all I needed. Maybe it's all you need to hear this morning. God's love for you, his offer of forgiveness. So we come back to the story again and again. We read it, we study it. We actually, you know, orientate our life as a, as a church community around the good news of, of Scripture. We read these stories, the Exodus and the good news of Good Friday and Easter. 
So scripture is a primary way that we remember. Um, but another way we remember is through each other. <clears throat> like Noah to Ali, we need to tell each other the stories. Angel does this for me. <coughs> Excuse me. We pause for technical difficulties. Angel and I are celebrating, I think in eight days, our 30th wedding anniversary. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Best part, she loves me. I love her. We uh, went on a date on Friday, and it was like as good as it's ever been. Like, like I'm going, this is great. This is not getting old. Love that. And uh, she's doing this more for me than I'm doing for her, but she keeps remembering back, like when we first met, and kind of remembered when... We did some kind of crazy things. We got married, and two weeks later, you know, moved from Ontario to, to Vancouver. And, uh, like, that was our honeymoon, basically, driving across the country and leaving our friends behind. That was called leaving and cleaving, I tell you. Um, but but she's, rem she's reminding me of some of the things that God did in our lives back then, some of the early promises he made to us as a couple. And, he, and she's sharing those things, and I tell you, it's been inspiring. It's been the last number of weeks that she's been bringing this up, and I'm remembering things I'd forgotten about our, our story, about our faith story together. We can do that. I, I, I can't wait. We're going to, in weeks to come, we're going to share you some of the, the faith stories about this church, which we're really excited about, how, how God merged two congregations quite remarkably back 27 years ago and forged something that is still here, still making an impact in the neighborhood. Isn't that fantastic? That's part of our faith story. There's power in remembering together our God stories. It's why we're having a, a summer night this week that is focused on God story night, where we'll begin hearing stories of God working in our midst. But we are not going to wait till Sunday. Uh, we have a couple God stories uh, people are going to share this morning. And so I've invited Jody Vance, who's going to come on up, and she's going to share, and uh, followed by Ben Egmankese. So Jody, come on up here. Um, she's a newer member to our congregation. Let's give her a, a huge, enthusiastic welcome. You got this. Good morning. My name is Jody. I'm a new Christian, and I'm glad I came to the table. Whew. Yeah, God is good. So my girlfriend, I'm coming to share with you today the testament of God's healing and God's prayers, how they are answered. Um, for myself, uh, I cried out to the Lord 13 years ago, and by the grace of God, I haven't taken a drink since. I've had Shannon, my girlfriend in my life, that uh, God has put in my life so I could help her, because that's what we learn, is to trust God, help others, clean house. And so Shannon's a huge part of my life, and um, she's had a rough life and challenging life. She was, uh, had a son that was born with uh, a medical special needs, no esophagus, so he had a man-made esophagus and uh, he had severe lung disease at birth 
But again, by God's grace, she was blessed with 33 years with him. And she was a devoted mother. And, you know, she got lost along the way, but she was uh, brought to me, I believe, and brought to her knees to um, be guided. And um, so to make a long story short, this past uh, two years was quite, I mean, Shannon hasn't had an easy life. She lost her husband 15 years ago. That was her soulmate. Anyways, this her son got quite ill um, in this past year, and sadly, he passed away. And I was able to be there for Shannon and uh, share my faith with Shannon. And Shannon always had a hard time. Uh, she came to believe, but she couldn't give her life to God. And through, through this experience, she was able to do that. And um, so sadly, through about two months passing, she was noted by her uh, radiologist, because she was, has an annual CT scan for her lung cancer, or sorry, excuse me, breast cancer that she was diagnosed with five years ago, and it was an aggressive breast cancer, and she was likely not going to make it through that. But she did, and she persevered, and so since then, she, after her extreme chemo and things, she had to um, go for annual CT scans. So this past June, she um, had her annual CT scan, and they found something on the scan. And this was devastating for Shannon, as she was just grieving through the loss of her son, and... Uh, there was a spot, it looked like a shadow, so they wanted to do a uh, biopsy. So she went in um, early July. She went in for her an appointment, and we prayed, and we talked about it, and, uh, you know, we handed it over to God. So we came to church here. Um, I guess it was two weeks prior to her going in for her biopsy when um, we, you know, we just passed by Derwin on the walkway, not in his normal spot at the front door. So that wasn't by coincidence either. He had been in the parking lot and walked our way and Shannon wanted to, she felt this need to reach out to Derwin. So as Shannon shared a bit of her story with Derwin and we stood there right on the walkway and Derwin prayed over. Shannon and, um, you know, the usual prayers for God to come down and help Shannon and touch down on her and heal her and things. And um, so Shannon felt very blessed by that. You know, she just had a really good feeling by Derwin. And uh, so anyway, she went in for the CT scan that day. And so prior to doing the... Um, biopsy, they have to take another scan because they need to be, it has to be definitive in the right spot. So Shannon's going in and she's praying and praying and she's lying on the bed and they came in and um, they did the CT scan. And it was minutes, it seems like hours to Shannon as she lie there on the bed waiting to hear and when they were coming back to start the biopsy. 
And lo and behold, they kind of all came in and they said to Shannon, we don't often ever get to give this kind of news. And Shannon was just, you know, still and, and they said, there's nothing there. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable, right? But um, through God's, God's work, God's prayers, God's healing, you know, Shannon's here with us today, and um, she's free of cancer. So I'm just blessed to be here, and um, I pray for those that are going through things like this, and, you know, there is no answers, and yet if we have faith and trust in the process, um, if it's not here today, it's in heaven above, you know? Thank you. Good morning. So my story is a bit different. Um, I was thinking about this throughout the week and I can really relate to the psalmist here. You know, he's talking about experiencing distress and praying and feeling like God is nowhere to be found. Um, feeling like his words are just bouncing off the ceiling. I, I know what that feels like, especially in the last couple of years. I know what it's like to need God, to just really need him and to feel like he's hiding his face from you. I call it he's playing games with me. And that's because for the last couple of years, I've actually been starting a technology company, like a software company. And this is free advice, you don't have to pay me for it, but it is hard to start a company. It's very, very difficult. There are many things to fear. There are many things to worry about, um, especially if you've maybe struggled with it in the past, which I have. Um, in my case right now, I, I have to worry about money. Surprise. You know, how do you pay people and bills and suppliers in days and weeks and months to come? I have to worry about my investors, people I care about, people I love, people, um, you know, whose friendship and whose relationships I value very much. And I would just be heartbroken if they lost their money because they invested in me. And then there's just the work, just the work of creating something new. Um, and there are many days when I wonder if I have the strength or the wisdom to take this to the finish line. On most days, I'm okay. On most days, I actually like the pressure. But the days that are hardest, almost unbearable really, are the ones where you're looking for God and you can't find him anywhere. On those days, it's like there's this flood just rushing in on you and the person who is supposed to protect you from it has abandoned you. And you're like, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I didn't handle 
these moments very well in the past. I, I can't tell you that, you know, I just figured out, okay, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to be fine. That's not what happened. It's just it kept happening over and over again. I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to deal with this. And started practicing what the psalmist says here, which is, if I can't find him, I will remember. And there are usually two things that do it for me. The first is, I remember when I was about to start this company, I was thinking about it. And this morning I was going to wake up and work on it. I was like, ah, forget about it. And I went back to sleep. It's too early. And I clearly heard the Lord say, get up and work because the place I am taking you is certain. And every time I'm in that moment, I just remember he's taking me. He's the one taking me somewhere. And so um, regardless of how I feel, even though I'm the CEO or whatever, it is God who has consistently provided the money, the people, the resources, everything we need, he has always provided. And I just remember that. And I just work because he said I should. The other thing that really works is I remember, you guys might remember Daniel, King um, Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar, whatever way you say it, where God disciplines this guy until he confesses, it is God who reigns in the kingdoms of men. I just remember that, that even if it's business, it is God who decides who goes up and who goes down. And he favors those who fear him. So I just, um, I meditate on those things and usually that gets me through. Uh, but just to conclude, sometimes my spirit gets the memo, but my mind and my body don't. <laughs> They don't get the memo. So I work on my knees. Thank God for working from home. I work on my knees. Literally, I'm on my knees pro programming and coding. And it's funny, Sophie walks in and she sees me just on my knees <laughs> working at my desk. And she goes, that bad, huh? And I say, yeah. Yeah, that bad. If God's looking for me, he knows where to find me. And um, he's been faithful, guys. That's, that's my God story. Thank you. Those were two uh, very different but remarkable stories. And so thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. And really, um, we heard a story of God breaking through. And that, I think you're healing story, Shannon, is, is something that is meant to be a God story for the future. If God can do that then, how much more can he do down the road in your life? And, and then Ben, it just um, a season of adversity or challenges and you coming up with a strategy very similar to the psalmists of remembering what God has said or what God has done and, and seeing that carry you through. This is so important that we learn those kind of strategies for ourselves with God. He wants to lead us in those things. Um, to wrap up, just to summarize this morning where we've come, uh, this psalm teaches us and reminds us we can pray our pain. God cares about your pain, and we can be real with him about it, that it's good and it's even recommended to cry out to him 
even in the dark. Um, we can bring him our questions and we can bring him our doubts. God doesn't look down on our doubts. And finally, we're invited to remember the wonders of God. We reflect on those. We do those uh, in the practice of the Lord's table. We remember our salvation and our deliverance in Christ. We do that through the reading of Scripture and reflecting on it, meditating on it. Um, God's love story to us. And we can do this for each other. We do it in small groups. We can do it as we share our lives with one another, uh, reminding each other through word or story that God has worked wonders, and that I'll do it again. So we're going to take a, just a few moments, and we gave you a scrap of paper that you can use at this point. Uh, and uh, if you want, bring a notepad to church, and you can take notes as you have these kind of questions and opportunities in the future. But I want to ask you, you don't have to write anything down just yet, but I'm going to ask you to just, in this prayerful space, um, ask you a couple questions. Are any of you in trouble right now? Can you think of some kind of trouble that's in your life or that you're facing or that you're aware of? Why not just take a moment in this quiet space and bring that to God and ask for his help? Ask him to meet you in that place. Whether you can sense God answering or speaking or responding in any way, know this. God's love is sure, and he cares about your trouble. He sees your pain, and you're not alone in it. You can know that. Next question, and this is where it might be helpful just to write down, um, what are some of the wonders that God has worked in your life prior to now? Maybe a promise that he's given you, or a word, or an encouragement. So he's delivered you in some kind of way. He's gotten you out of some trouble. Can you think of that? Just as they come to mind, write those down. This is just so helpful for us. Just take a couple minutes and, and give you a chance to write those down as they come to your mind.
this might be the kind of journey you go on and, and like Angel and I have been doing in recent weeks, remembering 30 years ago, um, maybe take some time to journal, to, to sit with God on, on this question because uh, it can inspire faith. I want to say this as we close, wherever you're at, and especially if you're in the, you're in the dark, reach out to God. Wave and keep on waving. Call out his name. Jump up and down if you need to. But know this. He hears. He sees. He is the God who worked wonders before, and he'll do it again. Amen? Amen. Let me, uh, we're just going to close where we've got kids who need to be rescued from our children's workers because we went long today. So um, why don't you stand with me and let's just uh, receive a blessing today. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn toward you and give you not just his peace, but everything that you need. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.